Welcome to Tree Talking Time, where we talk all things tree dogs. From the smallest fights to the largest hounds, drink squirrels to bears and everything in between. And from time to time, we might even run a little fast game. I can name you one of my, several of my favorite, but I'm going to pick one. Okay. And it was, uh, I, let's see, I bought it at, uh, no, I, I'm going to st- uh, back up there. The dog was gifted to me, or I thought the dog was gifted to me. And uh, he was a squirrel dog. I'm talking about as good as they come. He probably had issues that a lot of the competition hunters wouldn't like, but if he barked, you could treat him. Mm-hmm. And get your gun ready, because he was that accurate. Yeah, and uh, yeah, I called him uh, Fiddle. The day I went to get him, he would uh, uh, hopped up in the truck, in the cab of the truck with me. And uh, I think the last hunt that I we killed a two man lambent that morning with him, and which is be twenty squirrels. Mm-hmm. No, nineteen. I'm a backup. Nine, we had nineteen that we actually killed more than that, but we we got home with nine, nineteen. I think I lost one out of my sack. But yeah, he was a he was a very memorable dog in anybody's book that liked to hunt. Now, what kind of dog was he? He was part fast and part mountain cur. Okay. And later on, I'll I'll, I'll try to remember to send you a picture of what he looked like. Yeah, love to see him. And he was he was he was a hunting machine. I mean, he was just far above average. And how old were you when you had him? Oh, I was probably sixty-five. Oh, okay, somewhere in that neighborhood, sixty-four. And uh, he was a very memorable dog. And mm-hmm. I, I and I can't I don't know how to grade him number one and number two. <laughs> I had bought one as a puppy in a place called Crofton, Tennessee which is just south of Evansville, Indiana. Okay. And that thing made a squirrel dog. I'm talking about you couldn't put them in the back of my Toyota truck, the ones I shot over. (laughs) And he just passed away of old age. But he was one of them once-in-a-lifetime dogs. Mm -hmm. I called him Rooster. He was kind of a dark red-looking dog. Okay. And somewhere I got some old videos of him. And uh, he was a memorable dog. And what was he? There's so many of them, brother. (laughs) I've had hundreds of them, probably. And another one I had was a walker hound that uh, was raised in Oklahoma. And a friend of mine that uh, has passed on now sold me to him at a real reasonable rate. He was a good one. Mm-hmm. And squirrel dog or coon dog? Combination. Okay. Combination coon dog, squirrel dog. Then another memory, uh, memorable one, very memorable, was my first canvas. Okay. His name was Bruce. And Bruce was actually gift to me. Probably the first or the first, second or third dog canvas that uh, Mr. McDuffie. Like mm-hmm. in South Carolina, it sent to Texas. Let's pause that thought. Why don't you introduce yourself? Okay, my name is Alan Reeves, and I live in Henderson, Texas. 
And honestly, one of the reasons I wanted to have you on is actually to talk about the Camus curves. Because I, okay. I would imagine most people today don't even know what a Camus is. At least, at least most newer people that are newer to squirrel dogs coon, coon hunting because they're not really around anymore. So why don't you explain Correct. what a Camus was, and then we'll go back to talking about Bruce. Okay, a Camus curve originally was the fusion of three different breeds of dogs. The old form type shepherd are the uh, McDuffie strain leopard. Mm-hmm. The old time uh, shepherd was the background of uh, leopards, the leopard curse. Mm-hmm. And then Mr. McDuffie took what uh, two Canadian curves, or there might have been uh, several of them involved, and he used them for their winding ability. Okay. And the leopard curves were known for trailing mm-hmm. and the use of eyes and their winding ability. And so eventually he used what he called the Mexican border curves that he bought somewhere down around the Texas-Mexico border. Okay. But Eventually, they proved to be of no value, and he phased that out. Mm-hmm. And the results was, in all the pups, they would trail like a hound, and they would win like a bird dog, and they would use their eyes and their ears. Both. Mm-hmm. Yet they handled like a yard dog. And I remember numerous occasions, a lease was of no value. In fact, I had had hunted with some that had hounds, and I took my canvas, and they, he did extremely well. This Bruce dog that I told you that was mm-hmm. one of the first to come to Texas. Uh, very impressive. Very, very impressive. I, I don't know any dogs that can compete with Back in the early 90s, when I was writing in Full Cry, I got acquainted with two men out west in northern New Mexico that had invited me to go uh, mountain lion hunting with these dogs. I would say probably cousins of the dogs I had. Okay. And they were for real. Matthew Romero was one of the men, and he told me the day before we hunted that a camas would be treed on the side of a mountain with a mountain lion or bear before the hounds figured out which way to go. <laughs> and I thought that was impressive. I've lost that. contact with him. I've lost contact with Matt. I'm still Facebook friends, but I hadn't, I hadn't seen any posts from him. But yeah. Long story short, they were awesome. About a, the most awesome breed of dogs I've ever hunted with. Mm-hmm. And, uh, not to think that they didn't have uh, a lot of hunt in them. They were they hunted hard. They were just they uh, they were just voice command dogs. Okay. But but they were so fast, and, and they could just according to the weather conditions and sitting conditions, depending on what uh, what uh, trait they used the most. Okay. And they wasn't just a trail dog or just a 
Winding dog or just sight or hearing, they had it all. And uh, I sold several through the years through uh, different parts of men throughout the states, and I never ever received a complaint on any of the pups. That's awesome. And I, I, I can still say that's pretty awesome. Yeah, I, I doubt many breeders could say that. <laughs> well, look. Knowledge is valuable, mm-hmm. and I have to credit uh, Mr. McDuffie with his knowledge of uh, genetics, DNA, and uh, her, uh, hereditary. Okay. The, of uh, you know what produced what, and what percentages would produce what. Mm-hmm. Also, what would be a dud, and. I've I've never in my fifty odd years of having a dog of some kind, a hunting dog of some kind, to find anybody that could could uh, hold a conversation with him. He he was that sharp. Mm-hmm. And uh, back in the early nineties, I had the pleasure of meeting him and some other gentlemen through the United States, and we got together. Uh, uh, Gatlinburg, Tennessee, okay. for a photo front page yep. uh, cover shoot, and and I want I and I would like to uh, uh, credit uh, Butch Jordan of Ohio for getting us together. Uh-huh. He is solely responsible. That photo is honestly the reason that kind of puts you on my radar because that photo has, I would say, all of the the legends, the greats of the eighties, nineties in the current and feist world in that photo. That's, ab- that's absolutely correct. You know, Ben, I once made a statement, and I'll stick by it. A lot of times, the men or women, whoever has a dog, may have a, a top-notch dog that you never have heard anything about. Mm-hmm. And I basically probably was not very well known, you know, throughout the States till I came as Kerr, till I got involved in him. Mm-hmm. And I think that's kind of put me uh, on the map, so to speak. Yeah. But it actually wasn't nothing my doing. I just I just trained them and raised them and yeah. kind of wrote the article for them a little while and full cry. Well, for the listeners, obviously we don't have that picture to be able to show everybody. Uh, maybe I'll try to find it and post it with the uh, this episode. But why don't you tell who else was in that photo? I can't remember everybody. Let's see. There was uh, behind there Jody Mullins, mm-hmm. L.H. Ladner, yep. uh, Curtis Ladner, mm-hmm. uh, Mr. McDuffie. Uh, then there was Robert Kimmer, uh, Peanut, Peanut Betty. Yep. Well, I, I kind of had to have to look to remember all of them, <laughs> but there was a group of them. I'm saying probably thirteen or fourteen of us somewhere, um. maybe. Wasn't Maybe Carl, not. wasn't Carl Smith in that photo too? Carl Smith was also in there. I was standing there, if I remember, right next to Carl Smith. Yeah. And, um, uh, Bill. Uh, Bill Barger. Bill Barger. Yep. Right offhand, that's all I can remember. But I know there were some more that uh, I'm not mentioned, failing to mention. But uh, good times. Yeah. A good time. And honestly, I didn't know who you were, and then you commented who everybody was. And that's when I was like, well, if you're standing there with all of those men, 
that means you're somebody. <laughs> so well, I, I gotta, appreciate that. I gotta, I gotta find out a little bit more about you, and then I, so we became friends, and then you started posting all these Camus Kerr pictures, and I'm like, I've heard of Camus, and and that's mainly because I'm a fan of the leopards that Richard, you know, founded the breed and everything. So, just being familiar with Richard and some of his work, so I was vaguely familiar with him, but. I really didn't know a whole lot about them, and then you've kind of informed me quite a bit about them. So, well, they were a they were an exceptional breed. It wasn't a hit and miss situation when you raised the camas. You knew what you had, and through the years, I don't know how long I had them, but I could just I could just pick a dog, just take one. Mm-hmm. And go go squirrel hunting and do fairly well with them. They, uh, I had one that I thought a lot of. Uh, I called him Rusty. He was kind of a, a what I call a red merle. Okay. And I do not remember. I think maybe one in all the pups that I'd raised, I had a blue merle one time. Okay. But basically, they were a red or a shade of red or a red merle. And uh, one thing I do remember is they uh, they were NKC registered as a breed. Okay. And a lot of people do not understand this. A breed of dogs is actually a type that reproduces like, mm-hmm. not so much color, but in traits. And I hope that makes sense to you because... Yeah. In a lot of situations, when two dogs are bred, you can get anything. But these dogs actually produce what they were supposed to produce each time. Yeah. Some just better than others. And that's what I like about them. Okay. There wasn't no, no chance taken with these. Mm-hmm. And to me, that's impressive. Yeah. But here I am today without one. So. <laughs> well, unfortunately, life takes its turns and... uh Sometimes things, like we, we mentioned right when we started, think, there's things in life that are more important than these dogs and hunting. You know, while they can be very important to us, family and uh, and life can sometimes take us away. Absolutely. That's that's absolute there. And, you know, one of these days there will be somebody that uh, hopefully hopefully reached the place that Mr. McDuffie was. And I'm, I'm sure that a lot of them today like you said in the beginning, don't have no idea about what a chemist dog was. <laughs> no, I would say the vast majority of people, unless they were, have been around the, the Kerr world have, for a very long time, would know what a chemist was. And, I, and I'm just familiar enough because of, like I said, because I'm a leopard fan and I've dug into the leopard history that I stumbled upon a little bit of information about them just through my research on the leopards. And, you know, digging into Richard's life a little bit. In some cases, uh, a camas favored a, a, a leopard mm-hmm. pretty strongly. Okay. Uh, like maybe the merle color yeah. only and uh, the longer coat in some instances. Mm-hmm. And uh, he originally told me uh, uh, when we were talking about what they were bred for, for traits and stuff, he said, I bred them for all the traits that I've mentioned except color. Okay. But I, from my observance, red was 
fairly dominant in the outward uh, phenotype instead mm-hmm. of the genotype. Gotcha. Well, I probably would have liked them then because I'm I'm partial to a red dog and a red, especially a red merle. I I have one now. <laughs> they wasn't for everybody. They wasn't the type dog that uh, would just treat. They they wanted to be accurate. Yeah. I remember one one uh, memory from one of them I called Sandy. She was kind of a light, light colored jip, uh, and I was hunting just north of here on the river. And in Texas, ten squirrels per day is the limit per person. Okay. I had killed nine pretty quick, and uh, the 10th one I shot, and the thing fell in the river. And this river is not very wide, but it's got real steep banks, and the water was low. Okay. And when I got to the bank, I looked, and I could see the water bubble. I said, the thing went in the water, so I said, come on, let's go. And she didn't come on right then, but I turned around to see where she was. And here she come with that squirrel. She had retrieved that squirrel out of a river for me. That's pretty good. And, and you know, that to me, that's memorable. Mm-hmm. And I hadn't thought of that in years till just now, but yeah, that was one of the pleasurable memories in my hunting life. Who else raised these dogs? I mean, obviously Richard started started them and everything but uh let me see if i could remember some of the names i was just and, uh, curious if anybody else was still uh, around or it's been so many years i'll mm-hmm. name you two out west matthew romero and daryl sealer okay they they hunted the barren mountain line with them and then uh can't think of his name he's from uh, south dakota he had several that i'd sold him okay and uh, uh there's just so many of them. It's been so long, I can't remember all of them's name. <laughs> I understand. Where I, where I would, sent them. Would you say uh, they made a better big game dog or a better small game dog? Or they just excelled at everything? I, I would say on my average, either one. Okay. I remember the day that we hunted up out west. Uh, these guys had a scouts that worked for them. And they had spotted some tracks in the fresh snow. And they turned the dogs loose on the track and just told him to sick them, get him. <laughs> in three hours, they had that line where he wouldn't run no more. Yeah. And so I thought that was pretty impressive. Uh, generally, we always just turned them loose and let them find their own track. Yeah. For squirrels and coons. Mm-hmm. Where uh, they actually were professional guides. Yeah. I remember one of the stories that Daryl Sheeler told me. He said he had a client from Chicago call. He said he wanted a line. He said, uh, Daryl answered him, said, when do you want him? And he said, well, I, I'm catching a flight, and I'll be in, uh, I believe, uh, Albuquerque at a certain date. And he said he took him and his sons to the mountains and turned the dogs loose and treed a line. And his son stayed with the dogs treed. He drove to Albuquerque from Santa Fe, picked the man up, brought him back, and let him take the line, and then took him back to the airport. <laughs> That's, <laughs> That's pretty neat, I think. Yeah. And, uh, now, did the dogs open on track, or were they silent? Yes. Okay. Yes. Yes, they would. They would open on track. Well, I just know leopards, leopards do, and I, I really wasn't sure if Canadians were open or not. Um, I've never they, I would call them an open dog, okay. open trailer. In the 
Canadian cur history, there's there's some leopard blood in there, so I wasn't sure if they were open dogs or silent dogs. So, Ben, I haven't heard of anybody having a, a Canadian cur in years. Either have I. Same same thing with the Camus. That's why when, when I saw you posting pictures, I was like, man, I need to get you on to talk about them because, like I said, I just find it in, the history interesting. And I, 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 I'm going to contribute that to continue outcrossing. Mm-hmm. Like I said in the beginning, the Canadian curves were used for their winding ability. Yeah. And they were top-notch winding dogs. Well, that doesn't surprise me because the history of the Canadian is that they got started uh, actually out of a German shorthair pointer and a border collie cross was the initial cross. Then they they inbred puppies off of that cross for a couple generations, cold hard, and then they crossed in, I believe, Kemmer and Leopard over a couple generations. So, being having that strong short hair pointer in there, it doesn't surprise me at all that they'd be a winning type dog. Oh yeah, yeah. And see, once once a person recognizes the traits to be dominant, then he can through process elimination, like you say, and crossing and back crossing, they can maintain it. Mm-hmm. So once it's dominant in all the pups, yeah. And, and that's actually what Mr. McDuffie, there were several years of hard work there. And uh, that's actually how he came up with a, because uh, he knew the traits of the leopard were dominant. Yeah. He knew them traits of the original Canadian curves was dominant. And I'm going to say, I feel safe about this, but I could be wrong because it's been so many like them Mexican border border calls were extremely fast, but then they had something there that uh, wasn't quite right for the final say on the Camus dogs. Okay, and he phased that out. And isn't that what Camus was like supposed to stand for? Was like Canadian, Mexican, and in U.S. That's correct. That's what I thought. That is absolutely correct. I got to admit, I miss having them. I understand, especially the way you talk about them. I mean, it sounds like they were some pretty top-notch dogs, that's for sure. I've got a few pictures I'll have to dig that I'll, I, I, I may or may not have posted, but I'll try to get them where people can look at them again. Yeah, definitely. I know a lot hey, of people are uh, probably interested in seeing some of them. I'm just a, a nerd, and I like to dig into the history of stuff, and, and like I said, that's how I kind of... Even even though the Canadian history, like I forget how it was been a number of years ago, somebody wrote like a long history of the Canadian cur on the UKC forums, and I just found it fascinating, and and that's how I remember, you know, knew that history, and they have put a lot of photos up and and of you know of the dogs as they progressed through the years, and I just thought it was very interesting. At one time, I could tell you the names of the two men that were. Uh, Real popular with the Canadian curves, and uh, I, I can trace it back because I've got a I've got an article about it somewhere if I can locate it. Might be of value to somebody. Yeah. Well, like you said, we, you know, unfortunately, life took you away from the dogs for a little bit, but it didn't keep you away forever, and you, you've gotten back into them. So, what are you hunting now today? I actually got a mountain pass that uh, Todd Cobes a bait 
Batesville, Arkansas is raised. It's yep. going to make a pretty good squirrel dog. Yep. And for listeners, and Todd then, was on the podcast um, last August. I forget what what pot what number that was, but it would have been last August. Uh, there were, there was quite a few feist episodes last August, and he was I think the first of three or four that were right there together. Well, I can honestly say uh, Todd's got my approval on what he's doing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he's uh, I've been following Todd for years, mm-hmm. and his articles and uh, his breeding program is very consistent. Yeah. I've, I've heard that from a few people now. I really didn't know Todd when I had him on, and uh, but I have since, you know, kind of followed along with what he's doing and I've talked to a few people that have that know him and have gotten dogs from him and are very happy with him. Oh, yeah. Very, very impressive. Mm-hmm. And if someone wants to research it, I, I do not believe they'll be disappointed. Yeah. And they're sharp. I had a statement uh, that I made to a friend of mine. Uh, Brother Andy Hennigan, he had asked me about a pup. And I said, do you want a pup or do you want a pup that'll make it? He said, I want one that'll make it. I said, I know the man. There you go. And he he picks us up with a couple of nice pups. Mm-hmm. And uh, they, they're sharp little dogs. Definitely. We need some more stories. Uh, you've got a lifetime's worth of memories and stories, and we we just need to hear some more. I'd like to give you some. <laughs> I could I could I could probably dig up some. You know, I I never asked you how did you get started in dogs. I got started on the, in the suburbs of Houston, Texas, and uh, Bayou swamp areas. A neighbor of mine, his dad had some beagle hounds. Mm-hmm. And my first hunting trip was behind some beagles. There you go. And I've always since then had a desire to have a hunting dog of some kind. Mm-hmm. And I, I can probably say for 50 some odd years, I've had a squirrel dog or a coon dog or a combination coon squirrel dog. Okay. A lot of water under the bridge since then. <laughs> Do you prefer sc- yeah. squirrel hunting or coon hunting? I prefer squirrel hunting. Okay. And uh, there's several reasons for that. Is I'm getting a little age on me now, and in the places that I used to hunt, I can't hunt no more. So yeah, my area is limited to a degree, and I probably am different than a most most person. My my hunting time's valuable. Mm-hmm. And my trip to the woods, I have, I would like to see results fairly quick. But I also want a dog that I can catch. Yep. It's not just not just a hunting dog, but my friend, my buddy. Yeah. And I want a dog that hunts with me. Mm-hmm. Not me having to hunt for a dog. Yep. And that's where top dog that I hunt it's very valuable yeah generally the top dogs I hunt are quick starters and fast learners mm-hmm. 
and by the type breeding programs that I have been involved with, your time your time is is, is your dog progresses quickly, learns quickly, mm-hmm. and handles good. So you can you you you've got it pretty well uh, one. Yeah, it's not you're not a year and a half, two years, or whatever wasted would be a good term. Uh, I call it chance breed. Proven genetics and a proven line of dogs, you're money ahead. Yes, you are. I, I learned that the hard way when I got started. <laughs> I, I I got a couple chance bred dogs, and uh, my chances didn't, didn't work out. <laughs> well, it's proven. Yeah. I'm going to talk about Todd just a minute. Mm-hmm. He said years and years of success of what he's doing. Yes, he has. And in somebody's investigation that wants to check me out, there's numerous dogs throughout the United States that's doing well. Not just two or three. Mm-hmm. And for all the years that I've been acquainted with Todd in the distance, I've kept up with this. And that's why I started all over again where I'm at. Yeah. I, I wanted my time to be valuable and to be uh, well spent. And that's why I recommend rec- recommended Todd to a friend of mine. Yep. And it's proven. And a person is going to be fortunate from my knowledge and what I know if they're able to buy one of these pups. And throughout the squirrel dog world of the people that I know that have these uh, these pups and these young dogs, none of them are for sale. So I think that ought to speak for itself. Yep. Some people would disagree. They want a different type dog. They want one to look different, so on and so forth. But No, I mean, I think that's a valuable point that everybody likes something a little different, but Sure, and that makes the world go round. I understand that. But I think more importantly, what you're kind of st- stating is Todd's consistency in, in, in his reproduction of his dogs and is the thing that really sets him apart and, and what what drew you to him. So, And, and it's not saying he, he's the only one doing that, but... No, and I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that... He's somebody that you've followed and watched and knew, knew was doing that. I followed him for... For a long time, I don't. I'd probably say twenty plus years or better. Okay. And there's other good breeders out there. I'm not saying that, but he has got to be very consistent. Mm -hmm. He's he's got to wear. He has an excellent name, excellent reputation, and go see him and visit with him. He'll show you what the dogs do. Yep. And not just one or two of them, all of them. I'm still working on that. Unfortunately, Todd's not in my backyard, so. I'd like, I'd like I understand. To get down. That's a long way. It's a long way from Pennsylvania to Arkansas. I'd like to get down there and hunt, hunt with Todd, and I hope to. So very impressive fella. And one of the things I like about Todd is he'll tell you the truth. Mm-hmm. So how old is Clyde? Your pup's name is Clyde, right? Clyde is a little over a year old now. He was born in March okay. of last year, so he's just a cat over a year old. Well started and on his way to making a good one, it looks like. Nice. Well, glad to hear it. Yeah. Well, Alan, 
I know you've had a long day. Unless you got something else, I'll let you go. All right. Hope to talk with you again soon. Definitely, and I appreciate you taking the time to sit down with me. Thank you. You're welcome. You can find me on Facebook and Instagram at Tree Talking Media. And until next time, keep them talking in the timber.